0: Aggressive and out of control. Hundreds forced
1: out near Osoyoos. Like, okay, get your stuff and go, let's go.
0: And residents flee a new fire raging just outside Sycamus. If it burn it burns, I can't do much about it. State of emergency.
2: We have reached a critical point.
0: The BC government makes it official what it means for our worsening wildfire situation. And mask rage returns. If
3: you don't like my rules, that's one thing.
0: But don't be abusive to my staff. A shop owner's plea after some customers go too far.
4: You're watching
5: Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six. Based on the advice of emergency management and wildfire officials and my briefing
2: last night on the worsening weather, I am declaring a provincial state of emergency.
0: Well, the calls have been numerous, and today, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth declared that provincial state of emergency effective midnight tonight, giving the province extra powers to fight wildfires raging through B.C. The situation only expected to get worse. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have more on that state of emergency coming up. But first, one of the reasons that call was made. It's been a stressful day in the south Okanagan with all eyes on the out-of-control Enkameep Creek wildfire burning on the hillsides overlooking the towns of Oliver and Osuyus. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. Holy
5: This is what the Oliver Fire Department was dealing with as the Enkameep Creek fire exploded Monday night. The fire sparked late in the afternoon. By nightfall, winds had pushed the fire to people's front doors.
6: We experienced winds out of the south that aggressively uh, pushed the
5: fire. I think we we covered almost six kilometers in a matter of several hours. The fire now sits at roughly 2,000 hectares and has forced the evacuation of hundreds of homes. People were astonished at how quickly the flames spread. It's a
6: serious fire. I mean, it's very close to the the town of Asuyas. People were
7: pulling their boats out of the water when it was dark, which is really rare. Um, And just pulling out their trailers, just deciding they were going to go.
5: Tuesday, the winds shifted and the fire's growth stalled somewhat. But it put more people and property directly in harm's way. Air tankers used the opportunities to work the southern and western flanks of the fire. The potential for another rapid expansion has everyone worried. We're at the mercy of the wind. The, the wind is uh, toward the south now and that's where we're having some additional uh, evacuation orders and alerts happening and if the wind changes and comes you know, to the west or to the north or to the east, there's always people that are going to be affected no matter which way that fire moves. So far, no properties have been destroyed by the fire. Nothing that is extensive. Uh, some minor fire around some homes. Uh, our guys did a good job on getting set up early on to uh, protect those structures. A local state of emergency was declared Tuesday. The regional district expecting the evacuation orders and alerts to remain in place for up to seven days. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: And Global's Claudia Van Emmerich is live and will tonight with the very latest on-the-fire activity. Claudia.
8: Sophie, yes, thank you. A very concerning situation here in Osoyoos and really the south Okanagan. Uh, You can see behind me a massive plume of smoke. Uh, There's visible flame on that hillside east of Osoyoos Lake. And we've been watching skimmers coming and going, dropping water on the flames. Now, right now, it appears as though uh, the winds are pushing the fire up the mountainside, which is obviously good news. But earlier today, that was not the case. Uh, The winds were coming out of the south, pushing the fire Uh, towards the northern section of town. And the fear is that one change in wind direction could uh, uh, make that fire uh, approach the town once again. Now, Sue Makortoff, the mayor here in Osoyoos, is strongly suggesting to tourists who may be in the area for just a few days to actually consider packing up and going home. Now, she admits that is a very tough uh, thing to say, really, because this town is so reliant on those tourism dollars. But uh, businesses... uh, uh, have been hard hit coming out of COVID. So now they're having to deal with this. But she says it really does come down to everyone's safety. This is an emergency situation. And the fear is that if this fire continues to grow, it's currently, as Aaron MacArthur mentioned in his pack, uh, sitting at 2,000 hectares and growing out of control. If this fire continues to grow, that more evacuation orders may be issued. And of course, uh, locals, residents will have nowhere to go because hotel rooms are filled to capacity. So a very tough situation here in Osoyoos, leaving everyone, government officials, residents, tourists, everyone on edge, Sophie.
0: One emergency after another. All right, thanks for that. Claudia Van Emmerich reporting for us live in Osoyoos tonight. Well, the situation is tense as well in Sycamus as more than 1,000 people have been forced to flee their homes to get out of the path of a fast-growing fire just south of town. Pretty bad, eh? <laughs>
1: pretty close.
0: B.C. wildfire crews are assisting the Sycamuse and Swansea Point fire departments to tackle this out-of-control and fast-growing 60-hectare blaze burning along Highway 97A on the east shore of Mara Lake. It's believed that fire may have been started by sparks from a vehicle incident along the highway. Most of the town of Sycamuse is now under an evacuation alert, while homes in the Two Mile Creek area and the south of town are now under evacuation order. BC wildfire crews, helicopters and air tankers, along with municipal firefighters are all attacking the out of control fire.
1: Just found out here a couple minutes ago and uh, we're gonna get uh, everything together to, to remove. If it burns, it burns, I can't do much about it. You know, I got too much in there. I'll tell you one thing, I'm upping my insurance. That fire took off fairly quickly and aggressively. We did need to
9: tactically evacuate some homes um, because of the uh, immediate risk to them. Uh, So we had RCMP out there um, evacuating those people. Since then, um, the fire has continued to grow
0: and we have put um, most of the district of Sycamus on evacuation alert. Evacuees are being asked to go to an emergency reception center that has been set up at the Sycamus Seniors Center. Now, those fires are just two of the 296 active fires burning in the province right now, 22 in the last two days. We have 37 fires of note, which are highly visible or pose a potential threat to public safety, and 88 fires that are considered out of control. And when it comes to what's starting these fires, almost 49 percent are suspected to be caused by lightning nearly 35 percent caused by humans taking a look at the forecast now we are far from being able to let down our guard the provincial wildfire situation could get worse before it gets better senior meteorologist christy gordon joins us with those details christy
10: So there's really two things that we are looking at. One is the chance of new fires uh, being ignited. And then the chance or or how uh, the current fires are going to uh, grow in size or the intensity based on the weather. And it really comes down to the rain. So when we look at the fact that we still have no significant rain in the forecast for southern B.C., this is the fire danger rating, as we well know, has jumped to an extreme level in many parts. This is the risk that new fires will be ignited. But look at this. This is a fire weather in. Index, a product put out by UBC, and this shows us the forecast into tomorrow. This takes into account winds, so the current fires that are out there how intense will they burn? And you can see from Kamloops right down to a Soyuz, all of those areas at a high intensity level in terms of their uh, how uh, intense they'll burn. So, uh, pretty scary times, that's for sure, Sophie, with no significant rain in
0: the forecast. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tense few days. All right, thanks for that, Christy. We'll touch base with you in a bit. Well, after more than a week of mounting pressure from those who are in the fire zone to call the provincial state of emergency, the BC government today did just that, giving itself more powers to. To assist in the firefight. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria tonight. Why is this declaration only coming now, Richard?
2: It all comes down, Sophie, to what Christy just showed us the weather, the fact that those winds are intensifying from the United States is expected to play a major role over the next few days. So, for a few weeks, Public Safety Minister Mike Fernworth and Premier John Horgan had been saying that the province had all the resources needed to fight the fires, but now with the forecast, that's changed. After weeks of pressure, the government finally calling a provincial state of emergency connected to wildfires across BC. We are going to continue to ensure that supports are there for people, both in terms of uh, social services for those who are evacuated and to ensure that we have as many resources as possible. The state of emergency starting at midnight will be in effect for the next 14 days, but could either be extended or rescinded. The order coming because of a shift in the weather forecast in the Okanagan and southeastern B.C. Based on the briefing that I received last night about the, uh, the change in weather and the significant potential uh, with high winds and dry lightning for uh, uh, not only additional fires, but uh, to accelerate aggressive fire behavior. Nearly 6,000 people are currently impacted by evacuations, but it's expected to go up. These are the powers given by the state of emergency. Government can take land or property to help alleviate effects or prevent fire. The province can prohibit or control travel in any area of the province, remove trees, structures or crops, and end contracts so workers can be hired to help with the emergency. We want to make absolutely sure that uh, we have the, uh, the ability to house evacuees uh, if there is a significant evacuation uh, that's going to uh, have to take place. The B.C. Liberals have been calling for this state of emergency for weeks. And one of the biggest problems this could solve is that lack of space for evacuees.
11: I am hearing from people who were evacuated from Lytton who have been moved three and four times.
2: There has also been a growing sense from people near the fires. The province has ignored them by waiting this long.
11: The state of emergency from the province reminds people that the province is on top of this.
0: Hmm. All right, Richard, what impact does that state of emergency have on actual resources for firefighting?
2: Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth sophie said it has no difference in terms of the resources the province is going to get. The national resources are coordinated out of Winnipeg. B.C. has been getting firefighters from across the country. There's about 3,000 firefighters in total working in the province right now, and more help is on the way. 100 firefighters are expected to arrive very soon from Mexico. And again, the province says in terms of firefighters, they have the resources needed. This is about adding additional resources. Is on top of that.
0: All right, thanks for that, Richard Zussman. Live in Victoria for us tonight. A new Westminster pet store owner is pleading with her customers to show some respect and wear a mask. It's no longer a public health order, but some businesses still require face coverings, and that's causing some confrontations with angry customers. The escalating situation and how they've even had to call police. Next on the News Hour. Grief and anger in Campbell River after the police shooting of an indigenous man. Their calls for justice for Jared later. Also tonight, the hot rod granny of Mission Raceway, the senior citizen who won't let retirement slow her down. Right now, though, there has been an uptick in new COVID-19 cases in our province. We have 76 new cases of COVID-19. Currently, 692 cases are active. Of those active cases, 50 people are in hospital, 12 in intensive care, and in the last 24 hours, no new deaths have been reported. On the vaccine front, we have officially hit 80% of those age 12 and older who've received their first dose of vaccine, and when it comes to second doses, 54.4% have now received both. Well, while mask wearing has gone from mandatory to recommended in B.C., many businesses are still asking their customers to mask up. As Grace Key reports, a new Westminster pet store is pleading for understanding after some very unpleasant encounters.
12: At Bosley's Pet Food Plus in New Westminster, if you want to get a treat for your pet, you'll have to wear a mask. Owner Karima Jivraj says her staff are more comfortable with a mask policy.
3: I just want what's best for my team. They're between the ages of 17 and 21. They don't all have their full vaccines. I'm trying to be responsible.
11: Hi. Hi. Do still require a mask in
3: the store? Oh, do you have one? Yeah, we do. But three times last week, there
12: were problems that were all caught on surveillance cameras.
3: We had a gentleman come in and uh, he refused to wear a mask. And on his way out, he was verbally abusive. And then the second time was a gentleman that came in and was visibly hostile towards my staff. And the police had to have a conversation with him. And in reality, he would have been in the store for less than five minutes. On Saturday, the woman came in, the store was busy, and she literally pushed past the staff, went down the cat aisle, grabbed a $100 bag of food, and walked out with it because the staff refused to serve her for not wearing a mask. Seriously, again, five minutes. Karima says
12: despite the three recent incidents, most customers have no problems with the mask policy.
13: Oh, not at all, no. I'd like to keep myself as protected as possible and protect those around me, too. I've only had
14: my first dose so far, so it makes me feel comfortable.
12: According to Research Co., since April of last year, 14% of Canadians always masked up when they were out. The rate hit a high of 82% in November and has been dropping steadily but still sits at 70%.
4: There's a lot of people who say, I want to continue doing this. You know, we're not out of the pandemic yet. We're looking at the situation as it develops in other countries and we're definitely afraid that we could catch this virus.
3: I'm simply trying to be respectful and responsible towards my
12: team. Karima got overwhelming support on social media and for those who don't want to wear a mask, you can order online. Items can be delivered or picked up curbside. Grace Key, Global News.
0: All right, Keith Baldry joins us live with more on this. Keith, you have some new data on how people are feeling about our vaccination efforts.
15: Yeah, the uh, uh, optimism associated with vaccines has really increased. This is very good news. In stark contrast, the United States, I reported last night, is basically ground to a halt with vaccinations as there's a lack of confidence down there. Not so in Canada. You saw Mario Canseco and Grace's story. He also has a poll touching on Canadian attitudes towards vaccines. Here's his findings. 88% of Canadians uh, either have had the vaccine or they intend to be vaccinated. That's herd immunity, folks. Eight, just 8%, a decline of five points since May, say they will definitely not be vaccinated. And 72%, a jump of 12 points, which is significant, now support various provincial vaccination programs. So a vote of confidence for our vaccines. People are getting the dose on a daily basis. Mario Canseco making the point. There was a lack of confidence in the beginning,
4: but that's not the case now. Definitely the numbers have been shifting, partly because now it's something that is definitely more palatable for many Canadians because everybody who was talking about whether vaccines had a chip in them, whether something was going to go horribly wrong, uh, those doomsday scenarios really haven't materialized regardless of what people say in social media.
15: So if you want to see the effectiveness of the vaccines, just take a look at the daily case numbers. Vancouver Coastal, which had about 200 cases a day, now down to single digits. It has the highest vaccination rate in the province at more than 85 percent, more than any other health authority. So vaccines work. If you haven't been vaccinated, get that dose.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Coming up, the growing bill at the grocery store. for a head of cauliflower, five dollars. How prices are rising down pretty much every aisle. Plus, how those free apps might come with a hidden cost.
9: Crews are still on scene to this major structure fire in Delta Tilbury area. River Road remains blocked in both directions near Alexander. You're going to have to take Highway 17 as an alternate route. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a structure fire in Delta.
0: Well, you probably have some free apps on your smartphone, from calorie counters to fast food apps. They can be very helpful. And who doesn't love free after all? But don't be fooled, sometimes free comes with a hidden cost to your privacy. Let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea with more,
13: Ann. Thanks, Sophie. Some cybersecurity experts say it's a balancing act when it comes to convenience and privacy and some phones protect your privacy better than others. Experts tell Consumer Matters people with iPhones usually have more notifications about the types of location information being accessed. That's also true on more modern Android phones but experts say the problem for Androids is there's a lot of different brands and much depends on how up to date they are. When it comes to gathering information about us, different apps can track different things. Fast food apps, for example, in general may use our location data to garner more business by alerting you to to deals, promotions, and loyalty rewards. For non service related apps like a flashlight app or a weight loss app, cybersecurity experts say that's where you risk getting into a data broker situation.
16: They're probably just trying to collect absolutely as much information about you as possible. You know, the times of days that that you're active, where you live, where you shop, where you work, all this information is incredibly valuable to marketers. And they'll grab pretty much all the information your phone will share with them. They'll get your battery status. They'll get which cell phone carrier you're using. All of that information just helps them continue to build almost a dossier that they can then sell you as a product to other marketers.
13: So, how can you protect your privacy when it comes to apps? Only download apps from official app stores to avoid malicious apps. Read mobile app permissions before allowing access to potentially sensitive device features such as location and contacts. You can change permissions by going to settings on Android and iOS devices. Research the app before installing, know what information will be accessed, and keep your apps updated. Also, it's a good idea to delete apps you don't need as they too risk being Hacked or infected. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumer at globalnews.ca.
0: All right, sounds good. Thank you, Ann. Well, most of us have no doubt noticed an increase in prices at the grocery store. Global's Kendra Slagoski went there to find out just how much more we're paying, which food items are costing us more, and where to look for savings. Annalena Small has planted a big garden this year lots of
9: potatoes, carrots, It's not just a hobby, it's a way to cut down on the growing grocery bill. What's going on with these prices? I mean, cauliflower, for a head of cauliflower, $5 the other day. It doesn't take much in the cart to reach $100. The price of produce has gone up. The family is also paying a lot more for meat. Food prices across the country have soared. Just six months ago, researchers predicted food inflation would climb by 5%.
17: So for a family of four, uh, that would increase the bill, uh, the food bill, by about $700. That is the highest amount we've ever predicted in 11 years.
9: COVID-19 and transport costs are part of the problem, along with produce volatility. But prices at the bakery counter are also on the rise.
17: For the first time in over a decade, uh, prices are going up there by 5 to 7 percent.
9: Even peanut butter has climbed. According to Charlebois, it's the first major price hike in 20
17: years. At the center of the store, uh, be careful, we actually are seeing higher food prices. Coffee is up 17% since the beginning of the year. Make uh, frozen aisles your New best friend. Uh, Prices are quite stable there.
9: Small, who is on maternity leave, knows her little Lita will soon be eating more. These plants will pay off in more ways than one. And they just taste so much better. Kendra Slagowski, Global News.
0: Up next, demanding justice. Grief and anger after an indigenous man is shot by RCMP. Plus the impact to BC's wildfires far from the front lines. The smoke warning from health officials.
9: Good evening. Still dealing with a very stubborn structure fire here in Delta Tilbury area. River Road is blocked in both directions near Alexander. You're going to have to take Highway 17 as an alternate route. Is buying a home still possible? CIBC Mortgage Advisors will show you how. With a plan unique to your ambition, they'll help find your home. CIBC Mortgages. Ambitions made real. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a structure fire in Delta.
0: We have breaking news of more evacuations in connection with the Income Creek wildfire burning in Osoyoos. An evacuation order has just been issued for Electoral Area A. Officials say there is an immediate danger to life safety due to the Incombe Creek wildfire. More than 200 properties are included in this order. RCMP and Search and Rescue will be expediting notifications and enforcement. And we'll bring you more details on this developing situation as they come into our newsroom. Well, the B.C. government has appointed two new liaisons to help First Nations access funding to deal with human remains at the sites of former residential schools. As Ted Truniecki reports, today's announcement was highlighted by an emotional statement from a First Nations cabinet minister. This has been a difficult, heartbreaking and traumatic time
7: for indigenous people across Turtle Island.
4: It was an emotional event for the MC of today's event, herself First Nations. Of the two liaisons appointed, Lydia Whitsum, the former chief of the Cowichan Tribes, could not be here. But Charlene Bellow could. And as the former chair of the First Nations Health Council, she knows all about pain.
11: We told governments, we told churches, our children never came home. They never believed us. Now we know. Now you know. She has a litany of examples. My own great-grandfather committed suicide at St. Joseph's Mission Residential School. They buried him there without telling our family. They strung our children on poles and lashed them until they passed out. Eight years old ran away from the residential school and froze to death bringing home children that priests fathered.
4: The two liaisons will now help First Nation communities access the 12 million dollars the province previously announced to help deal with technical and emotional issues as three former hospitals and 18 residential schools in BC are investigated. $475,000
2: for each of the 18 uh, schools plus the three sites is, as you say, not going to be sufficient, we expect. But we understand that this is to fill in the gaps that may exist with the programming the federal government and the funding the federal government has offered.
4: Residential school survivors believe a good part of the money will go towards mental health because even though the atrocities were well known to First Nations, now that it's finally being recognized by everyone, there is an enormous amount of pent-up emotion.
11: Right now, it's triggering them and bringing them right to the day that they were taken and right to the day that those traumas were happening. And we need to be able to provide them the supports
9: they need so that they can get it to an ugly memory.
4: And while it may not seem like a lot of money, she says it's more than what most other provinces are doing, which is nothing. Ted Scherner, Global News.
0: A loud and emotional protest today for a man killed outside of Tim Hortons on Vancouver Island. Jared Lowndes had an outstanding warrant and killed a police dog before being shot by officers earlier this month. Today, his family and others demanded justice for Jared. Kylie Stanton reports.
7: Behind the chants and the drumming, there's anger and intense pain. Every time I close my eyes, I see my son's brain Family and friends of Jared Lowndes confronted officers at the Campbell River RCMP headquarters, demanding justice, nearly two weeks after the 38-year-old was fatally shot by Mounties. To call for accountability and to call for oversight. On July 8th, Mounties were trying to stop the Wet'suwet'en First Nation man on an outstanding warrant, but he tried to flee. Soon after, a canine officer boxed in Lowndes' vehicle in this Tim Hortons parking lot. But there was an altercation. The police service dog, Gator, was stabbed to death, and the handler was injured. That's when shots were fired. I don't think you understand how it feels to know that your son was shot in the face three times. In a statement, the National Police Federation expressed condolences for the family, but went on to say, if Mr. Lowndes had not, however, evaded police, stabbed PSD Gator and injured an RCMP officer, and instead turned himself into the courts to comply with a warrant for weapon offenses, he could be alive today. The Independent Investigations Office is investigating.
4: It's going to be some months. We do here at the IAO appreciate the need for timely uh, investigations, but we also have to ensure that they're thorough um, and complete before we do release our findings.
11: Justice for But
7: Indigenous people across the province are getting impatient.
11: Dismantle the RCMP.
7: Protesters joining the cause here in Stanley Park, calling for a complete overhaul of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It's another shame, shame, shame on so-called Canada. For Lowndes and the family that loved him, it's too late.
8: Justice for Jared!
7: All they can do is use their voices, make them heard, hoping one day that will make a difference i want them to remember the noise we made today the next time they try to kill an indigenous person kylie stanton global
0: news a langley woman is calling for stricter laws governing vicious dogs after her chihuahua was mauled to death by two pit bulls trisha hill says she was walking her dog frankie last thursday when the dogs attacked Hill managed to fight them off and pull Frankie away but the pit bulls attacked again injuring her and killing Frankie. Hill has launched an online petition demanding tougher penalties for owners whose dogs kill or severely injure other animals. I yanked my dog up by his leash and caught him in my arms.
1: <clears throat> Started to run and I didn't get very far and I just felt a thunk on my back and I went down and they started attacking my dog and I was screaming for
0: help. I was in there trying to get them loose as well. Hill says the owner of the dogs arrived but didn't try to call off her dogs or pull them away. She says she suffered bites on her hand and chin and several bruises. There are unconfirmed reports. One of the pit bulls has been put down and the other has been seized. Well, with those wildfires raging across this province, residents on the south coast are now being warned to prepare for smoke to blanket the region soon. Dr. Ingrid Taylor of Fraser Health says the air quality in Metro Vancouver is going to get much worse whenever the haze arrives, as wildfire smoke carries fine particulate matter. She says residents should look for clean air spaces in their communities, and anyone with chronic conditions like asthma and COPD should get their medications ready as soon as possible because we don't know when the smoke will arrive and how long it might stick around. In some places, the smoke could be very heavy, and
9: that can cause serious impacts for people with existing health conditions who may have trouble breathing or put stress on their heart if they spend too much time outside in these smoky conditions. I believe in in the interior and in Alberta, it's been many, many days um, which uh, adds to the challenge of having that burden on your body.
0: Dr. Taylor adds the smoke could also pose serious health risks risks to older adults and younger children. Still to come, the race after retirement.
1: I've been around this track a million times, I swear.
0: How a seventy five year old woman is driving circles around the competition. Plus, a billionaire gets his wings, what Jeff Bezos' historic flight means for the future of space travel. Well, for the second time in less than two weeks. A billionaire has been launched into space. Amazon's Jeff Bezos and three other crew members spent a few short minutes staring back at this planet after taking off from a rural Texas town. Global's Reggie Giacchini has the details.
14: Traveling faster than the speed of sound. Four non-astronauts ascended towards and into the great unknown. After 15 unmanned test flights, the Blue Origins crew were the Bezos brothers, a tourist who paid $28 million for his seat, the youngest person ever in space, along with the oldest person to hover above the Earth.
0: I've been waiting a long time.
14: Wally Funk, who was denied the chance to be an astronaut 60 years ago because of her gender.
0: I've done a lot of astronaut training And I could always beat the guys. I want to go again, fast.
14: (laughs) (laughs) The journey lasted only about 10 minutes, and about a third of that was in zero gravity, 102 kilometers above the ground, before a perfect touchdown. The rocket went further than the vehicle used by Virgin's Richard Branson, but that far up, to some, distance doesn't matter. If I'm in a black sky, looking down at the curve of the Earth and the atmospheres below me, uh... I'm in space.
6: 540 feet.
14: The launch comes 52 years to the day for when Neil Armstrong brought the world to the moon. Lift off the In the decades since, a flurry lifts. of people were propelled beyond the edge of space, but for the last decade, no astronaut had left American soil after the shuttles were decommissioned. With this venture, space policy experts say a whole new world has been unlocked for countries that can't afford a space program of their own.
6: So they're already booking flights on uh, uh, these uh, vehicles uh, to uh, get
14: their astronauts up and train. There has been criticism linked to the privilege, a moment not lost on Jeff Bezos, who thanked Amazon employees and customers before looking to the future.
2: We're going to build a road to space so that
14: our kids and their kids can build the future. With this newest group now getting their space wings, some a lifetime in the making, the sky is no longer the limit. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
0: All right, let's bring in uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon once again with a look at that forecast. We know the forecast, Christy, was a part of what helped Mike Farnworth declare that state of emergency today, and it's going to be a, a tense few days ahead of us.
10: Yes, and the key is, is that we really don't have any significant change in the forecast. Uh, let me just show you the smoky skies for today. You can see the flow was generally out of the southwest, meaning pushing the smoke towards the northeast generally. That is going to be the case again tomorrow. So for those of us across the south coast breathing breathing a sigh of relief, we're very lucky here and we should consider ourselves that because it could change at a moment's notice. But honestly, when we look at the long range, we don't have a significant change. Those of you in the interior, though, dealing with significant changes, uh, Uh, Smoke and you will for many days now. The rain all going to be across northern BC, touching down into the central interior regions, but for the most part, southern BC, very dry. Now, you can see come Monday next week a possible change, but that's still almost a week away. Fire weather indexes, when we look at the forecast, this is a a product put out by firesmoke.ca. It's out of UBC, and it shows the intensity of the fires that they will burn in through that. uh, Thank you. There's a train, everyone. I apologize. And through the Okanagan Valley. Now, I also want to show you this product. This is the rate of spread. So the concern is is that we will have significant spread in those same areas where we're dealing with significant fires, in particular the Asuyus region, as we head into tomorrow afternoon. So this is tomorrow afternoon. So no change in sight with that potential for uh, more significant fire spread and more intensity. Northern BC, cooler conditions, and that's where all the rain is, but it's like the province is split in half and that's shown in the fire danger rating as well as we continue with mostly dry conditions. Now the south coast we'll see a little bit of cloud cover maybe a slight chance of a sprinkle but overall not much in sight that's for sure. And tonight's central windows weather window is the Raleigh uh, uh, Valley which is looking towards uh, Kamloops uh, sort of north of Kamloops looking towards and that's the smoke um, from there as the sun was setting. Quite a picture.
0: All right, thank you, Christy. That train, by the way, uh, I don't, we need to get on the same schedule somehow because I think it happened last night as well.
17: I think that train's doing that on purpose.
0: It wants some attention? Yeah, it's attention exactly.
17: It's an attention-seeking train. Okay. All right,
0: Squire, what do you have for us?
17: Well, the NHL has drafts this week and also training camp for the Vancouver Canucks. It's hard to believe. Training camp is about mm, two months Away right now. And this year, training camp will be where that goal was scored in Abbotsford, and there'll be an exhibition game there as well. The horn sounded like the train.
0: <laughs> Later, the Septuagenarian race car driver teaching the young kids a thing or two. Okay. Good. Things that are said during commercial breaks should be left.
17: Yes, don't say what you just said, because then we'll need five minutes to explain what (laughs) you're talking about.
0: No, just explain what's happening in sports. I'll do
17: that. I can do that. Uh, The Vancouver Canucks don't just have their farm team in Abbotsford. They're now going to have their training camp there as well. It'll happen this year, but training camp these days is not very long. In the old days, it was like two or three weeks. This time, it's only a few days. Training camp starts Thursday, September 23rd. It ends Saturday, September 25th. Uh, We'll see if they can work out fan access to the training camp. The uh, Canucks did put out their preseason schedule today. Now, we did know their first one was going to be against Seattle, and that would be in Spokane. They'll play in Abbotsford against Calgary. The other home games you see there will be at Rogers Arena. So a couple against the Kraken, a couple against Calgary, a couple against Edmonton, one against Winnipeg. Speaking of the Kraken, the expansion draft will get cracking tomorrow at five o'clock our time. They'll thank you. They'll take one player from every team except Vegas, which is exempt. The uh, Canucks are hoping, or at least they should be hoping, that Seattle takes goaltender Braden Holpie because that would erase 4.3 million from Vancouver's budget and give them more money to work with in free agency, impossible trades, and of course they still have to sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Losing someone like Cole Lind is not going to help. The budget, But the Canucks may have to offer something to Seattle on the side to entice them to take Holtby. However, he has only one year left in his contract and the Canucks are not going to feel a lot of pressure to offer Seattle too much. Everyone knows the Kraken needs a veteran goalie. They can't go with all young guys. And Holtby is way more affordable than Carey Price, who makes $10.5 million per year. So the best case scenario is Holtby becoming a member of the Kraken. The Whitecaps play Houston in about 15 minutes, and the Caps are coming into this game off a win. And we haven't been able to say that since early May. The uh, game will be on AM 730. It's technically a home game for Vancouver, even though they are still in Salt Lake City. And the Caps had a very tough time watching Montreal and Toronto being allowed to play home games in their homes this past weekend. Well, the Whitecaps are still forced to hang in Utah.
16: When you look at uh, the, the Saputo Stadium and you look at BMO Field with fans and pushing for them, I was, I was a little bit jealous, to be, to be honest with you.
17: One of the quarterbacks in BC Lions camp is Will Arndt. He was born, raised, and still lives in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, a town that is well-known by tens of millions of people because of a tragic school shooting in December of 2012. His love for that town... And the people who have persevered through the pain helps motivate them. When it comes to making a team, every athlete has their
4: own
16: trials and tribulations. Will Arndt is no different. At 27 years old, Arnt is vying for the BC Lions' backup job. Except where Will was born and where he grew up and still calls home is very near and dear to his heart.
14: The school is in lockdown. The can send email personnel.
16: It's almost been a decade since these images of Sandy Hook Elementary were forever burned into our minds. A lone shooter killing 26 people, including 20 children, between the ages of
6: 6 and 7 years old. I remember it very clearly. Um, it was very chaotic and, you know, being right in your hometown, it's uh, a lot of thoughts are running through your head and um, it's still something that's so surreal. You know, I unfortunately knew people that were involved and... You know, working with uh, a lot of the kids in my hometown, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, is understood but not really talked about. Callers indicating she thinks there's someone shooting in the building. It's horrific, but, um, you know, the town really rallied around each other, and to this day, it's still, uh, you know, a rallying cause, and it's a very tight-knit community. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very very sensitive. It's still really fresh because, you know, a lot of the people are, still in town and there's still people affected by it and uh, you know every year in December it's something that people remember.
16: Will's mindset right now is on making the BC Lions but he's beyond proud of where he's from and the people who make his hometown
6: a special place to live. I think it's important to you know build a community where you know you're not excluding anybody and uh, you know there's a saying in that town that love always wins so that's what I take away from that.
17: Well, considering he has won seven Super Bowls, Tom Brady has made a lot of White House visits to give presidents jerseys and show off the Lombardi Trophy. Today, it was with the Buccaneers, and it was for President Joe Biden.
14: Not a lot of people, uh, you know, think that we could have won. And um, in fact, I think about 40% of the people still don't think we won. I understand that. You understand that, Mr. President?
17: I understand that. Yeah. I think the first president he visited after he won a Super Bowl was Abraham Lincoln. That's how far back Tom Brady goes. What? No rim shot for oh, wow. that? Come Hang on. on. Wait for it. Oh just cricket. No, sorry. The crowd left. Sorry. Yeah.
0: All right, Squire, just ahead. A 75-year-old woman who loves gardening, baking cookies, and driving race cars really fast. We'll meet the hot rod Granny next.
5: This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider.
0: Well, when you think of auto racing, you probably think of 20 somethings with little concern for their own mortality. So the driver who's tearing up the track at the Mission Raceway may be a bit of a surprise. Gail Baird is almost 75 and didn't take up racing until she retired. As Jay Durant tells us on tonight's This Is BC, she is feared by other competitors.
16: It's the relaxation that many people look forward to in retirement, but not Gail Baird. When she left her job at West Shore Terminals at the age of 62, she needed to find a new hobby.
1: I wasn't ready just to go home. So I wanted something I could do. Never did learn how to knit.
16: Now at almost 75, she is one of the most experienced drivers at Mission Raceway, and one of the most successful.
5: Multiple championships. Every year, I think she wins a championship or two.
3: She is very tough to beat. She's insanely,
1: insanely tough to beat.
16: Hot Rod Granny keeps tearing up the track. She's become a mentor, always willing to offer advice.
1: The young men, of course, go to the men to ask. The women are usually quite shy, and I try to tell them they shouldn't be shy about anything because when you're here, you don't think of yourself as a woman particularly, just as a competitor and try to just get that in your head and then everything comes so much easier.
16: Go hard! Baird is very consistent, but she's had a few scares on the track.
1: The one wheel caught, the other didn't. and Threw me right into the wall before I even knew. Broke my nose. Had to have a new nose made.
16: And one big one off the track, suffering a heart attack at age 65. She missed two race weekends and came back quicker than ever.
1: I went my fastest lap ever when I came back. Burton says, Grandma, you got better intake now.
16: <laughs> She's always showing up with freshly baked cookies, too. One time one of the other drivers took home the wrong bag. I got home, it was all the cookies for everybody. So I got home. I opened the bag. I said, Burton, I got all the cookies. The people are gonna kill me. They're gonna think I stole them. It's like extended family out here, and that's why Grandma Gail will keep racing as long as she can. Such nice
1: people. And and it's fun to play with your friends.
0: Jay Durant, Global News. She's moving pretty fast. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. <laughs> All right, final word on the weather, Christy? Thanks. So
10: we will see increasing cloud overnight across the south coast. So a cooler start to the day and a slight chance of showers. But we're back to sunshine by the afternoon. And as I mentioned, no significant rain in the
0: forecast for all of southern B.C. once again. All right, be safe out there. We'll keep updating that fire situation tonight on B.C. 1 and on Global News at 11.